0: Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Countdown to GDPR, a podcast where, with Jonathan Armstrong, a partner at Quarterly Compliance in London, we take a look at what you need to do to get ready for GDPR, which goes live on May 25, 2018. In this episode, we consider the policies and procedures you need to have in place to comply with GDPR when it goes live. Jonathan Armstrong is a well-known data privacy and data protection expert from the United Kingdom. His insights give the United States compliance practitioner very good ideas about what you and your company need to do to comply with GDPR when it goes live. Countdown to GDPR is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back with Jonathan Armstrong from Quartery in London for another episode of Countdown to GDPR. Today, we're going to take a look at some of the basic policies and procedures that you need to have in place to comply with this law. Certainly, compliance professionals are well aware of policies and procedures, but there are some specific ones that Jonathan and his team at Cordery have suggested that you start with. So, Jonathan, I was wondering what policies and procedures do you advise companies to consider to prepare for the GDPR go-live date of May 25, 2018? Well, thanks
1: very much, Tom. Thanks for having me on. I think the two key ones probably to start with would be your general data protection policy. And there are two of those, really. There's an internal document that you send to all of your employees. You ask them to read it and you train them on it, which tells them not to do dumb things with data and tells them how to observe their GDPR responsibilities. So that goes to everybody who could have access to data on, uh, on somebody from the EU. And in practice, for most organizations, it's better to send that to the whole organization. And the second big one you will need, I think, is to review the privacy policy on your website. That, if you like, is your external facing privacy policy and it tells data subjects, whether they be people who are applying for a job with you, whether they're potential customers, whether they're people who are sending uh, inquiries to your website, it'll tell them what your um, data protection practices are. And the second of those policies has some mandatory provisions under GDPR. So, for example, you have to tell people of their data subject rights, sometimes abbreviated as DSRs, and their DSRs include the right to uh, see the data that you have on them, the right to erasure, also called the right to be forgotten, the right to move their data to an alternative provider, and so on. And these DSRs should be outlined in your external uh, privacy policy. And then there's a couple of other things that we find really useful the uh the the next two i would say in order of importance would be a policy on how you're going to deal with uh, dsrs and in particular subject access requests so again that might go to everybody in the organization and it might say if you get a request for data from somebody who walks into the store or calls or messages us over facebook or twitter this is how you're going to respond to it. Because remember that under GDPR, you've only got a month to reply, and that month will pass extremely quickly. Normally, most organizations take at least that to look at their databases and find out where data is. And The second one I'd recommend is the standalone policy, again, because of the need for urgency, is a data breach reporting procedure. Now, The mistake that a lot of corporations make is having that process be too long or having IT or the information security guys write it. The best analogy I can give you, Tom, it's a bit like uh, when you stay in a hotel, there's a simple plan on the back of the door that basically says, raise the alarm, get out of the building. Uh, And I think as far as most employees are concerned, that's more or less what you need to tell them you know, shut down the system if you can minimize loss immediately, and it's safe to do so. Do it. Raise the alarm. And, of course, there needs to be a more detailed procedure behind that for the IT people, the information security people, and others to know how to respond to the data breach. But not everybody needs to know the mechanisms of that. And the mistake I see is people get over-focused on technology. Bear in mind that the two biggest breaches we had a last last year were paper data, not electronic data, so don't get too focused on the technology. And secondly, some of these policies are really hard to read, uh, even for somebody who's been in this space 20-plus years. So the chance of somebody whose first language isn't English understanding it and responding very quickly is slim. So you need to try and keep it down to two or three pages Simple text telling people essentially to raise the alarm because, as we know, under GDPR, you're only going to get probably 72 hours to respond to a breach. And again, you need people to raise the alarm really quickly.
0: Jonathan, in the anti-corruption compliance world, one of the things I try to communicate in training or or just uh, when I train uh, corporate employees, it's really just a few concepts. One would be, if you see something, say something or raise your hand. A second might be, don't pay bribes. Uh, things along those lines that that uh, give people one or two things they can remember from training uh, and take forward in, into their uh, ordinary business world, the transactions they're doing on a regular basis, literally across the world. Are there some of those simple concepts that you believe uh employees can be trained on uh, as well to, to try to get the information about a potential breach to an expert, uh, whether that be a data protection officer or an outside expert such as yourself?
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. And, 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 the, and you know, the raising the hand one is key. I think a lot of the breaches that we see, the reason for the delay is the person was trying to work out what went wrong or work out whether it's a problem or not. And, and I'd say, just raise your hand. If you think that it looks, uh, we'd say fishy, if you think it looks unusual, tell somebody about it immediately. And I think for organizations, they've got to have a sort of, you know, no stupid questions culture. So if you're reporting it to the DPO, let's say, the DPO hasn't got to sigh and say, huh, um Look, it's pretty simple. Don't you understand the technology? The DPO has always got to say, thanks very much for raising this with me. I going to look into it. Uh, they can give some reassurance at that stage if it's something that really isn't a breach. But I think we need people to to spot unusual things straight away. So if that looks like, I don't know, they're Googling and they find what looks to be salary details for the corporation, they should tell somebody straight away. They shouldn't, you know, delve down deeper into Google to see if they're real salary details. Uh, you know, they shouldn't check with five colleagues to see if the numbers are correct. They should tell somebody straight away. So I agree with you. The simplest advice is see something, say something.
0: So it, there are some uh, fairly specific requirements or, or I should say rights enumerated under GDPR. You mentioned the right to be forgotten. You mentioned the right to see or be told the data that a company might have on you. It would seem to me to respond to such a request under one of those rights would really take, um, uh, if not a technical person, a professional uh, in this area and not your standard employee, would you advocate that companies try to put the protocol in place now so that uh, when such a request comes in, uh, whoever deals with it would know what to do and what the company's policy is?
1: Absolutely. We're already getting many of these requests uh, be made, so we're already seeing uh, right-to-be-forgotten requests, for example, when individuals are suspected of wrongdoing. In terms of simple subject access requests, The UK regulator reckons that in the UK alone there have been 11 million of these requests to date. They're 11 million when you've got the right to charge a small fee, only £10 currently, but when that fee goes, the numbers will increase significantly. So, most corporations, I think, will end up with subject access requests on a fairly regular basis. If you're a small corporation, with little footprint in the EU. That might be six, seven or eight a year, but it's not unusual for some people we see uh, to have a significant volume of uh, uh, subject access requests. I know, for example, professionally, that uh, there is a bank in the UK that currently has a delay of nine months in responding to subject access requests because of the volume of SARs that they have and the lack of resources uh, that they have. And that nine months isn't defensible under the existing law and will not be defensible under under GDPR. So, yes, companies are going to have to put in place measures to deal with these requests. and, And now is the right time to be doing that, I think.
0: And let me end with uh, a few questions about the external policy, really focusing on uh, companies that you work with, either through your supply chain on the sales side. Is it equally important to not only push out a policy to them, but also give them some modicum of training so they can comply with their requirements?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think if your model is that you sell through agents, for example, or you sell through distributors, then I think you need to help them uh, with that task. So you need to tell them some guidelines for how you want them to sell your product. And you might need to give them some additional materials to help with that uh, support, those sales. So for example, if you've got a a cloud-based solution or something that's somewhat technical, it's likely to be a barrier to sales if you can't do a data protection impact assessment, or at least you can't help your customers do a DPIA. So as well as giving basic training to the channel or ensuring that they have basic training, you might want to produce a template DPIA, for example, to support their sales effort. So yes, exactly right, Tom. And, And of course that's sometimes challenging to do that training because they're not your employees. But we've had some success with some clients in things like video-based training or awareness films. Um, If it's engaging, then you'll often find that uh, salespeople, for example, will watch that even if they're not forced to. And of course, if you can give them stuff to put in their briefcase that will help them get a sale, then they will engage with that material.
0: Well, Jonathan, this has been a great exploration of the policies and procedures uh, required to comply with GDPR as it goes live. Once again, I've been visiting with Jonathan Armstrong, partner at Cordery in London, the uh, one of uh, the leading experts in data privacy and data protection. For more information, I would suggest you check out the Cordery website because they have a fabulous resource called the GDPR Navigator, which provides a wealth of information for you to utilize in your data privacy compliance program. Also, Jonathan will be in Houston on April 10, 2018, to put on a three-hour workshop on GDPR. The event will be held at the South Texas College of Law from 9 to 12 a.m., and you can find out more information by going to the Gerber, that's Greater Houston Business and Ethics Roundtable website. Jonathan, as always, thank you, and I look forward to learning more about our exploration of Countdown to GDPR. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Countdown to GDPR. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast, as it would help get the word out about the only podcast which is giving you a countdown of things you can do to get ready for the GDPR go-live date of May 25, 2018. If you have any questions for Jonathan, you can email Jonathan at jonathan.armstrong at corderycompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Countdown to GDPR and I hope you'll join us again where we explore additional steps that you can take as the compliance practitioner to prepare yourself for the GDPR go-live date. Countdown to GDPR is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.